The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, Thwip Thwip post Aster Theatre Spider-Thon, we're shooting webs and getting sticky, talking the Sam Raimi OG web crawling trilogy in the first of four Legacy of the Spider-Man episodes. My name's Riggs. And I'm Eddie. And this is the Film Addicts Podcast. Hey folks, welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. We're so happy to have you here. I'm, I'm uh, on, on the line with Addy. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, sir. It's I'm... good to be back after two weeks. It is. We had a bit of a break there, mostly because I was flat chat with production work. So flat chat, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, that I had a camera incident. Ah, oh, my camera fell from its tripod. My, my brand new C300 Mark III uh, fell from its tripod when it was when it was unhooked and somebody moved and uh, dropped to the ground and is, is currently being repaired in Sydney. So fuck is what I have to say to that. Um, but apart from that, the other thing that happened was the Astor Theatre in Melbourne's Spider-Thon. Um, now I'm going to talk about it for a second uh, because it was joyful and wonderful and I, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was, I mean, you go to the Astor Theatre, it's a legacy theatre, uh, you know, they play mostly old movies and, you know, there's a big, uh, the, the, the audience brings a lot to the, to the shows, especially if you do films that have cult following. Spider-Man has its own cult following, I guess, but the movies in general, particularly the Toby ones I found. But the, the crowd just, everyone was there for the same reason. People were cheering, like, as soon as it started. They had a Spider-Man in the room as well and he was doing flips and shit. He was doing flip, flip, flips. And, uh, and they had, you know, the, the guy who curates all the, the, um, the, the calendar there come out and talk about it and how crazy it is, 19 and a half hours or something. Thanks for coming, blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting ready and, and the first movie starts and all of a sudden, you know, Tobey Maguire's name comes up and everybody screams and, you know, uh, uh, J.K. Simmons comes on screen and everyone goes, wah! And everyone's doing the lines and doing the movie, doing all the different... Um, knowing all the different segments and what's coming next and oohs and ahs. And it was just, it was like being at a sports event. Um, and I don't, I don't typically go to sports events, but it was, it had that kind of energy. And as we got into the more ludicrous, like say for instance, the third Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire, that's so stupid and so cartoonish. It took on this new, this new dimension because people were just loving how crazy it is and how, unbelievable that that film ended up being what it was like when toby dances down the street you know that the famous famous scene now people got up out of their seats and were doing the dances and stuff it was just and and don't, don't get me started i think i posted if you follow um the stitch up with Regs on instagram um, and i sent it to addy as well i filmed for addy the intro of amazing spider-man 2 where um peter's sort of falling from the sky some of the best spider-manning you'll ever see um, but we'll get into that next week when we talk about the Andrew Garfields. But people lost their fucking minds. There were girls in the back, well, uh, what I could assume was girls, very high-pitched um, voices going, Andrew, ah! it was just, it was baller. And and I did have a little nap during Far From Home because that's what happens. Um, and then I woke up and, and, and finished up with the, uh, 
Uh, oh, Spider Into the Spider-Verse was before that, which was awesome. That was really fun to see that with that crowd because that's got a huge cult following now as well. Everyone's screaming miles, miles, miles at the end of it. And it was just, it was just awesome. It was so great. And I come out and I was really tired, but it was, yeah, it was so worth my time. So thank you to the Astor Theatre. Thank you to the crowd. And thank you for coming to hear me talk about it right now on the podcast. That was cool, man. Thank you. It was awesome. It was so, so cool. But... um. What we're going to do today is talk about the the Spider-Man trilogy, the OG from, as I said in the roundup, from the 2000s. Um, so that's the Spider-Man, the original, 2002. Spider-Man 2 was 2004. And if I'm not mistaken, Spider-Man 3 was about 2006, 2007. Um, Two, so we're going yeah, to just... 2007. It was 2007, yeah. So we're just going oh, to yeah. talk about them just loosely and, uh, and, 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 you know, talk about kind of the legacy that they have within, within the Spider-Mans. Um, and I also want to talk about some interesting history of what happened, you know, before this film came to be what we now know it is and what it could have been in the alternate, in the multiverse. There's a very, very different version of this film out there. So, um, but before we do that, Addy, what's, what's been up with you, mate? Oh, nothing. I've been preparing for this for the I past saw. week. Have you watched all? And what did you watch? Have you watched just the first three or? No, I... So I've learned I've learned the Amazing Spider-Man films like I know literally everything. Yeah. But I don't really go back to watch the Toby films not that much. Mm-hmm. I I used to when I was small because like you know now you, now people don't have TVs where they have channels in them. But like when I was small we used, like it used to be on like because it was such a big deal especially Spider-Man 2 used to be on all the time. So like it, it was it was like a rule for me that if it's on and I and I catch it, I have to like finish it all the way through. That's a good rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went back and uh, I don't know, we we get into what I feel. <laughs> but it's interesting to go back. To yeah, it's I mean, I have through the prism of nostalgia, I feel like those films are better the way I remembered them particularly the second one. Like the second one to me was like, I watched that three times in a row once on a plane going from Melbourne to um, Scotland uh, in like 2005 or something. And it was just on. And I was just like, I will stuff it. I'm here for 10 hours anyway. So I just watched it three. And and, and it, like, it's particularly the set pieces and the train chase and Alfred Molina is awesome in it and stuff. But some of it's, I struggle with some of it performance wise. I struggle with some of it's cartoonishness and I struggle with um, the, 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 the acting um, particularly from Toby because he is so gee gosh willikers kind of thing. I like, I like my, I like my, 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 my Andrew Garfield broody kind of Spider-Man, but that, maybe that's just me. But, um, but anyway, before we get into, you know, those, those three films, the Toby films that we're going to have a little chat about, should we, should we do a quick nerd news? Cause there's some interesting shit that's happened. Yeah, let's do a snippet of nerd news. Let's do a small, a small. We'll call it a sliver, or a slicky, just a little, a segment like an orange. You know, normally you get an entire nerd news orange. Today, it's just a sliver. You've finished a game of sport, and you're just having that and a Gatorade. What am I talking about? Here's the news then. So here we are with a very brief uh, Filmatics podcast, Nerd News. Addy, you had one that you wanted to talk about straight up. Do you want to let the folks know what that might be? 
Yeah, it's about casting in Dune 2, and I can't pronounce the name, so please help me out. It's <laughs> I don't know. She's the, the um the person from uh, No Time to Die. No Time to Die. Here we go. Let me find out. Now it wasn't Anna Diamas. Leah Seadose. I don't know. Deox. I think that X is probably pronounced as a um as a Z. But her name's Leah anyway, and she was yeah. in. She played um. Madeline in in No Way Home. Uh, sorry, No Way Home. Spider Man on the Brain. Uh, no time to die. So, there you go. That's her name. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And she's been cast in doing part I two. I fucking didn't help at all. If anything, I made it worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she has been. She's in Dune. Dune number two. Uh, as Lady Mar- Margot. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't. I don't recall that character. Yeah, we probably don't know the character because we haven't read the books. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen the David Lynch picture, so I assume that she's in that in some capacity, but maybe I'm just getting confused. Well, that's cool. I mean, they, they, I think they're going the route of giving Danny Villeneuve his trilogy, so he oh, might be pulling characters from books two and three because yep. the part one was like half of book one. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just interesting because there's so much going on. Like, I love how we got a cast of Dune Part 1 and then most of them just died. Like, all the the A-listers. Yeah. And then we're getting another cast just like that. Mm. So, I'm kind of scared but also excited. You're scared and excited. That's the best place to be for, for, for movies, I find. Um, well, that's yeah, that's super cool. That movie's kicking off. It's it's starting to shoot. I think it's at the end of next month or middle of this month. Soon, anyway. Uh, middle of next month. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Um, okay, so the next piece of news that I thought was quite interesting was something that um, just popped up on my feet today. Legendary film composer John Williams is looking at retiring after Indiana Jones Five, um, currently un- untitled. Just Indiana Jones 5. And you know what? He's fucking earned it. He has. Yeah. To be completely honest, I saw this. I saw. I think it was your story that I saw it on. Yeah. Or somebody else's story. And I have to say, and you can kill me for it, but I have to say, I did not know he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, the first, when I saw the picture, well, I, didn't, I didn't sort of see the caption first. I just saw the picture. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's dead. He must yeah. be because I don't know if you know this, he is eleven hundred and four years old. He is he is a, he is seven hundred years old if he's a day. Um the John Williams and and you know still working. He just did the, the theme for Obi Wan. Isn't that the one they used from the prequels? No, there's that was the thing. He said you know, when they announced that uh they were gonna do this series that he didn't get the opportunity to write Obi-Wan a theme in episode one or two or three because there's not, they're not really centered on him. They're not about, it's about Anakin more than anything. And if, if you're looking at the, the, the first one, the Phantom Menace, it is Anakin as that little, little boy, but also Qui-Gon, that's more his story than it is um, Obi-Wan's. So it gave him the opportunity to write this really cool theme, which is kind of that, the thread that you hear throughout that show. Um, so, you know, God bless him. I hope he uh, works 
out how to do the transition into retirement really, really well and, and gets to, I don't know, write a, a symphony of his own or something like that, with like Mr. Holland's opus. Um, good on him. Now, this is one that you mentioned, the Kevin Feige's. Yeah. Um, he has come out and said, fans will learn more about Marvel's next big saga. So, you know, like the Infinity Stone saga kind of thing in the coming months. Something's going to happen that will make it make it obvious to people. And it's I assume it's either going to be the end of Miss Marvel or Thor, the new the the Love and Thunder. It's probably going to be end of Miss Marvel because Thor comes out in a week or Does two it? weeks. Okay. Yeah. I mean I mean the SNL the SNL sketch that's titled Thor Love and Thunder comes out in two weeks. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had another trailer drop as well and it's it's you yeah. know just as just as quirky and just as kooky um yeah we, we've, we've talked about that it's it, it's going to be what it's going to be and, and and whatever but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see i mean i'm I, like we've talked about before it's either going to be something to do with you know fighting scrolls or kree or it's got to be cosmic by in in some nature and then you've got to think about what dr strange multiverse of madness set up which is currently streaming on disney plus now dropped yesterday i think um yeah I'd be I'm 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 interested to see how all these threads are going to get tied together. At least have an idea of where it's leading to. Not necessarily seeing how it's going to bleed in just knowing that something out there is going to make sense. Yeah, yeah, that it's got some cohesion in in a way that's hard when there's so much going on in so many different places. You've got the Disney Plus, you've got, you know, the 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 movies that are coming out and then you've got everything that was delayed. Like I found out today, I was listening to a podcast called Script Apart and they were talking to the writer of Multiverse and Madness and apparently uh, the host said this, the, the writer didn't confirm, but the idea was that because Multiverse of Madness was delayed from COVID, it got released after No Way Home. And apparently it should have been before and yep. that... America Chavez was going to be introduced in No Way Home as opposed to um, Ned opening portals. It was going to be her. Um, and they had to kind of flip the script because everything got messed up because of the timeline. So I guess we'll just sort of find out how they've managed to wrangle all of that while dealing with the pandemic. But, you know, in Kevin, we trust. Um, yeah, that's what I said. I, I sent you that and I said in Kevin we trust. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And finally That's interesting though. Just just going back, that's interesting because yeah. if we had America Chavez in No Way Home, then we might not have had Doctor Strange, which would have made it a bit more just kid centric. But it would have been interesting to see just that combination of Sochi Gomez and Tom Holland. Well, I think would be very interesting. I think they probably would have had strange in some capacity even just at the beginning of the first act to to set the 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 um spell in motion um and then had her come on and do that last little bit or whatever because you gotta remember um dr strange is missing for a huge portion of that film he gets trapped above the grand canyon stuck in that you know geometry square thing so yeah you're probably right there would have been he's probably been plopped in where america chavez would have been taking up some space um and finally the final nerd news this is this one's just for me really um australian director lee winnell who's responsible for the creation of the saw franchise he also directed a fucking baller film um the year before last uh which was a retelling of the invisible man was with elizabeth moss 
Um, really, yeah. really wonderful film. And uh, another another great film called Upgrade as well. If you get a chance to see that, it's really cool. Um, he's uh, my understanding, and I, I I spoke to the cinematographer of of um, Invisible Man and a film that got made uh, here in Melbourne that they're shooting a sequel at the moment called The Dry. The cinematographer that is on Instagram and I messaged him to say that The Dry was probably one of the most beautiful films I'd ever seen shot. It was an Eric Banner Australian set murder mystery and he was saying thanks and I'm like, hey, are you working with Lee again on on Wolfman, which is what he was you know, going to be doing um, with Blumhouse and Ryan Gosling was cast and stuff and he said, yeah, we're working on the script at the moment. That was like a year ago at least or a little bit more and now it seems that perhaps that'll be on the back burner because Lee Winnell is um, in talks to write and direct Universal's The Green Hornet and Cato film. Um which is, uh, you know, characters that spun out of the, well, I mean, the pop culture characters. The Green Hornet is actually the great-great-grandson of the Lone Ranger, but um, made popular uh, in the uh, 60s by um, by being in the Batman and Robin, Adam West, Burt Ward series, and Bruce Lee played Kato. But it looks like they're trying to reboot that, and I'm fucking here for it. If it's Lee Winnell, um, I'm sold. Outstanding. So that's the nerd news. For the day, shall we get into the Spider-Man? <clears throat> um, what I would let's swing in. Let's let's swing into New York City now. Let's swing in. We're going through the cavernous caverns of buildings to be to be sticking on walls and you know eating cookies and being a fucking nuisance as Toby Maguire is and a lot of that, um, and beating up our best mates. So. What I would like to hear first is because you know my previous with this these films is. The first one came out in 2002. I was a year into film school um, and, you know, I was a huge Spider-Man fan, huge, huge comic book fan, like such a massive nerd. Um, uh, still, still hot though. Fucking ooh, just hot. Being hot rigs back in 2002. <laughs> you still hot, man. What the fuck? You still hot. I do. I've got, you know, um, uh, much sort of older man kind of hot vibes going on now. Got the got the salt and pepper coming in. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I could play Mr. Fantastic. Um, yes. Oh, yes, dude. Right, Kevin, I, I know that. you're listening, mate. Give me a ring. I mean, John Krasinski's great and everything, but he's tall. So um, anyway, regardless of how hot I was in, <laughs> in 2002. <laughs> so ludicrous. I love it. Um, yeah, it was fucking huge. Like this movie, the first movie that came out, it was Bat shit. Like it was, it was the biggest thing to happen since, you know, 89 Batman film. It was the biggest movie ever. It opened at $100 million opening weekend, which no film had ever done before. Went on to become the highest grossing film of all time until it was um, bumped off by, I think it was uh, the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie a few years later. Um, but, you know, everyone had Spider Man fever. And I spoke to the manager at the Astor the other night. And she was there. She brought her son and they were watching. The first film was, was an original 35 millimeter print. So it was, it was amazing to see it in that proper, you know, two, three, five ratio and just, yeah, outstanding. And she was saying she grew up with these films because she was young when they came out. And now her son gets to see it the way that she saw it and blah, blah, blah. So it's got a real, like I said before, real nostalgia point for people who are my age. But for someone like yourself who you said before your Spider-Man movies are the Garfield pictures, which is, you know, great. And I'll, when we get into that, I'll explain why I agree with you next week. But 
what what is your feeling about these original ones? I'm I'm really really interested to hear what you, what your take is. <clears throat> so, again, I I had I've read like a few uh, Spider-Man comics now, but it's something like you would I would describe Spider-Man because this is legacy of Spider-Man. This is part one. Or four. And or four. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're going to have a good time. But, Wait, yeah. So excited. Um, I would describe it as, like, most people describe Star Wars. Is that, or at least, like, my generation when they describe Star Wars, that they were born into a world where Star Wars already existed. So it's a mythology that, it's a thing that already existed, had a fan base. I wasn't born in 2002. And this is the part of the podcast where I tell Addy to go fuck himself. <laughs> That's exactly why I brought it up. Because right. I wanted to hear. Am I really? Okay, hang on a second. It's two thousand and two. <sighs> so I was twenty when you were born. That's whack. That's whack. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so, th- so this really is an Obi Wan and Anakin uh, kind of. <laughs> Does that mean you're going to turn evil and I'm going to cut you? No, I'm not on board for that. I don't want to go to Mustafar. It looks hot as shit. I don't like the heat. I'm Celtic. I like the cool air. My natural color is pale blue. (laughs) And I don't want to then have a fight with you and then you, you know, rake me across coals or whatever happened in Obi-Wan. Yeah, we'll have an episode on that. But anyway. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, sorry. Keep going about the Spidermans. Yeah. So... My, think, I know I've said that I fell in love with superheroes f- f- because of the X-Men and that will always stay the case but I, I I think I've always been a fan of Spider-Man it's like, it's hard to describe but it's it's so true because like even, even if you're like 80 years old, you sit in a the theatre you just sit and just watch Spider-Man swinging it's a six-year-old in you that's like, holy shit, maybe I can do that. Mm. <laughs> Don't. So, yeah, I mean, if you're 80 years old and you, and you think that, you probably should go check check with your doctor first. Yeah. Yes. But- <laughs> Otherwise, you get a sore back like the Tobey Maguire does in No Way Home. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Uh, but, but yeah, there is a, yeah. A, like a childlike glee that you get from seeing Spider-Man, particularly, um, you know, as as when when we saw this, I mean, you would have seen the the Andrew ones first, but when you saw this, it's the first time you saw Spider Man do what you've always known he was able to do in real life and see it right there in front of you. And some of the CG doesn't really hold up in these films, obviously, because they're you know they're twenty years old. But yeah, there is there is something that taps into a very particular part of everybody's childhood where you can't deny. It. That's why it makes a hundred million dollars this opening weekend because everyone's like, holy shit, Spider Man. Yeah. I mean, like people have gone on and on and on about how how masterfully directed and written the second one is. I don't feel that way. Yeah. I I find the first one like very well written and very well directed. Like, mm-hmm. like the first one feels like it. Like a kid took up a camera and just is just filming his friends who happens to be a Spider Man. Like it, it feels that way. Um, I don't know. Maybe because now. Especially now that we know we know so many heroes now. Yeah. In that sense, it's hard to it's hard to go back to a point where 
or just to go back and think that this was made when nothing like this ever existed. It was the first of its kind. So, well, I mean, yeah, yes and no. X-Men was before this. X-Men was 2000. Um, so much so that Hugh Jackman was flown to New York during the filming of the first Spider-Man picture to do a cameo as Wolverine. But they couldn't get, they couldn't get the costume to him. So that, and they ran out of time, so they didn't. They didn't end up um, shooting it. Isn't that crazy? That's so what? Yeah, that is crazy. Because one of the things I must and sorry to cut you off, but I'll just say well, it's because it was one of the points I was going to make, but it's in my head. Um, the idea of a solo superhero adventure, watching him this time and all all the way through until you get to the No Way Homes of it and everything like that. But the Toby films and the Andrew films. A standalone, even though the Andrew Garfield pictures were trying to set up the Sinister Six kind of thing, and there's a lot of leeway. There's no other heroes around, you know. It's not like and 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 Tobey Maguire's the three pictures that Sam Raimi directed are in a silo, like they are unto themselves. They're, I think he mentions the thing. He's like, "Hey, I'm not the thing," or whatever, which is a Fantastic Four reference. But then I I reheard it in at the Astro, and I think he says unlock the thing is is what i think he says anyway regardless of that they're talking about fantastic fours or not it was so fucking refreshing to see a solo adventure in in three parts or whatever it is you know or two parts it was the andrew one to not have it bogged down with because you know the first um tom holland movie is so bogged down with mcu stuff like if you hadn't seen Civil War, it's hard. It's hard to pick up what's going on at the beginning of that film, and why is Iron Man his mentor? And a lot of different stuff goes on. But with this, these Toby ones, especially the first two, it's just like, okay, I'm here for Spider Man, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, um, I think you can see Sony trying to make something out of the first Spider Man film when you watch uh, Spider Man Two. Or at least that's what I felt. But it's it's crazy, you know, because I I have I have known those films all my life, but I've never actually sat down and watched it with my brother, who's younger than me. He's five years younger, so his his Spider Man would be Tom Holland Spider Man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, there's the, and, the one, the other, or the other at the, at this point generationally. Like, yeah. So our our you know, if I was to have kids, they would be they would be the Tom Holland generation, you know. And and like all Spider-Man fans, we loved No Way Home. Uh, but I was watching Spider-Man Two the other day, and it's the first interaction between uh, Doctor or like Otto Octavius and Peter Parker. And Peter Parker says, "Trying to do better." And I knew that that reference was there in No Way Home, but my brother didn't, and he pointed it out. He's like, "Oh, that's what he says in that movie." I was like, "That's." That's like, irrespective of everyone, irrespective of what people feel about those films, th- there is that that connection with this character that that's existed, and it's it's just pure love. Like when someone points that out, it's not that oh shit, I have to do this and that to figure that out. It's it's pure feeling. Yep. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it, and and I think the the. The callbacks and stuff they do in No Way Home is a good way to have everybody kind of catch up and go, okay, well, this is where we are now. And then it's funny because, and we'll talk about that movie in like four weeks when we get round to the MCU Spider-Man films, but just to make a point about it now real quick, 
Toby, Andrew, and 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 um, Tom all in that film together, and bringing the villains in from the different places. It what it did was not only get everybody like service everybody really well and tell everybody everything you think about the, your Spider Man is valid. If your favorite's Toby, it was at the Astor the other night. Some people was, was Toby, some people were Andrew, some people were Tom, some people were you know Miles. You you you, you find your 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 likes, your favorites in there because of not only where you are generationally, but where you get to with that film, No Way Home. And at the end of it, you go, oh, that's right. Actually, I do. I do really like those ones. That's that's the one that's for me. That's the story that spoke the loudest. Um, you know, I, I love the, the Toby films. They've aged a little bit too much for me. They date really badly. Um, but you know, and then and then watching um, the two Garfield films because I didn't see the first Garfield film in cinemas for a bunch of different reasons, but it was stupid of me. I saw the second one with Emily because she loves those movies, and to see them both back to back, I'm like, oh, hang on, this is the story that gets me because it's there's it's a lot more serious. Um, there's a lot more stakes in my opinion as well. It's not all kind of gee gosh willikers. Um, the acting's much better. And also the fucking, the Spider-Manning, the CG Spider-Manning rivals any other that's been done. You know, Spider-Verse doesn't count because it's animated, but even the current Tom Holland pictures, you know, that, like you said, that opening, the opening two minute shot of Spider Amazing Spider-Man 2, where he f- drops down and you see the the rippling of the costume and stuff, unmatched, you know? And, and as good yeah. as things like... You know, the train sequence in particular in Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2, um, or the final swinging through the caverns of Manhattan shot, which still holds up. I still got goosebumps. That score rises, the Danny Elfman score, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I remember watching this over and over and over again when I got it on DVD because it just, it was, you know, Spider-Man is my favorite character really like favorite superhero um, always has been the first I don't know if I've mentioned this before before the first thing I ever learned how to read was a Spider-Man comic I still have it it's like Spider-Man Spectacular Spider-Man 336 and he gets attacked by Dr. Octopus um, it just that character was always spoken to me for whatever reason um, so you know seeing the the, the Toby movies that happened was really a really big deal. And then as I matured and became a filmmaker as well, because I was still at film school then, thinking, oh, that's so cool and blah, blah, blah. And then going on and going, oh, hang on, there's some better executed things down the line here, as great a director as Sam Raimi is, obviously. Um, and I remember my my lecturer at film school, a woman named Libby, who was, she she ran the course that I did. She, we were talking about the film coming out and she goes, it's fucking bullshit. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, why are his web shooters organic you know why do they come out of his wrists and they made a good joke about it in no way home but i was like oh, i don't know just conserving conserving the story fact is in the original script and in some of the original scenes it was mechanical and there's even some scenes in the original spider-man film where if you look at toby's wrists you can see where they've had to digitally remove the bands it's like blurred a little bit i'm dead serious and so and went to organic and she goes, yeah, but that takes away as a storyteller, it takes away one of the threats because if he never runs out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a, that's a, a holdover from the James Cameron scriptment that he wrote where it was that and, he, and, and Spider-Man had to replenish himself the way that the Flash does when the Flash has to eat heaps because he burns calories. Spider-Man has to replenish proteins because he's fucking thwipping it at everybody's face. Um, 
and other stuff. But uh, yeah, so it was it was interesting to sort of see what you know what they changed and and how you can kind of some some things you can forgive like that kind of thing. But the the portrayal of of Peter is is something I have a particular problem with in in Tobey Maguire. Well, I do too. But just going back to the the web shooter point, I get your point and that Spider Man has always had web shooters, right? He's always yeah. It's always they've always been something that he built. Uh, there was right. a, there was a period of time in the comics when they did go to organic web shooters around about the time these films came out, but then switched back to the to the other ones. And I like the idea of the, the him building them. You know, like in 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 Amazing yeah. Spider Man. I think that's cool. I think it works. I think it works just for the Raimi films because there there's no like direct connection to like Oscorp like. Harry is his best friend, sort of. Like he's he's not really his best friend. He's an asshole. They're kind of in competition with each other, you know. And yeah. Like on set as well. Apparently, um, James Franco, who's like legendarily a fucking monster and an asshole, so we won't talk about him much. But he's not a very good actor, and he's not very good in these films, particularly the third one where he's fucking, you know, he's supposed to have amnesia. He's playing it like regarding fucking Henry. Um, People who've seen regarding Henry will get understand what I mean by that. Um, he, like on set during the first, making of the first film, he was constantly making fun of Tobey Maguire, apparently looking like a frog. Um, you know, I just did air quotes because I don't I don't think that's true. Tobey Maguire's a good looking enough dude, but and Toby was like really pissed off, and it actually quite, created quite a bit of derision between them on set, which I guess works in the end for them because they've got to be antagonistic towards each other at some point. Yeah. Sure. But also like like having Willem Dafoe in in a Spider-Man film. Oh, like how Willem. how do you pull that? Big Willy style. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is the fucking he's the shit in those movies. In the first movie, he is fucking outstanding. Um I yeah, I can't can't say enough about Willem. I love him. Like I was watching the first one, and while watching, I was like, "Oh shit, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that in this in this film I like Spider Man." Like they they were cutting from William doing his like the mirror scene to Peter, Peter like walking down the street or something. I don't remember, but I was like, "Fuck that! I just want to see him." Yeah, he's so he's, good. He's he really he's amazing. Well. Like. He, he does it's it's like such a such a weird thing that they had like they had the whole goblin suit with the mask and shit and like it, it took 20 years for them to figure out that willing the fucking pull off a goblin without the goblin shit <laughs> very true the first mask <laughs> the, the, there's a test uh, screening thing of the first mask that was like it was rubber with some animatronic inside um but yeah, they went with the more sort of power rangey kind of slick design yeah. for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why, but I'll tell you this much. So William Defoe gets the role of Green Goblin, right? The other people in contention were Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich, um, who would would be toted as possibly playing the Vulture if Toby and, and yeah. uh, Sam Raimi went on to do Spider-Man 4, which was, they spent $100 million on Spider-Man 4 that never got made. They had scripts done, they had costumes, they had all this stuff done. 
Um, also, Bill Paxton, RIP, Mel Gibson, John Travolta, Brad Dourif, and uh, Robert De Niro were were all um, were all sort of asked to do it. Billy Crudup, who played who plays the Flash's dad in Justice League, and also played Doctor Manhattan in the in the Zack Snyder Doctor Manhattan film. Um, he was in it, but he dropped out because um, the, uh, the production decided that he was a little bit too young to actually play um, uh, to play Norman Osborn. Um, and then De Niro, Mel Gibson, and Travolta all turned down the role themselves. Um, even De Niro was considered at one point for Dr. Otto Octavius because in the original screenplay for the first film, there were two villains. It was going to be it was going to be Otto and uh, uh, Norman Osborn. Oh, that would have been fun. How about them apples? Yeah, right. But we kind of got that film anyway. <laughs> 20 years on the A lot of it is, you know, well, I mean, we can get into it. Let's. Do you mind if I just talk a little bit of the history about the first film? Sure. Go on. And go, go on with the James Cameron stuff because yeah. I have something I want to say there. Okay. All right, cool. Well, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I, I was interested to hear sort of where you came from as a fan of Spider-Man and where these kind of sit for you. But I think it is a little bit before your time and they do date a lot. So, um, right. So the, the, the story goes, hang on one second. I'm just going to get the information that I have aside me here. Um, so the story goes that uh, at one point, Canon, the production house who made really B-grade action movies in the 80s and stuff with Chuck Norris and shit, they owned the rights in the 80s and they you know, tried to get it made for, you know, really small amount of money, um, you know, unsuccessfully. Um, it was 1985 and Golden uh, Goldwyn and Globus, uh, the heads of Canon Films, uh, bought the rights to make it. Um, but they thought of it as more of like a monster movie as opposed to like a superhero movie. And it ended up being more of like a kind of a horror picture, um, which is a bit, a bit crazy. In fact, um, Toby Hooper, who directed, um, Poltergeist and a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, was considered to direct and the possible casting of Tom Cruise as Peter Parker, Bob Hoskins as Dr. Ock, Stan Lee as J. Jonah Jameson, and either Lauren Bacall or fucking Catherine Hepburn as Aunt May. Um, this this project was scrapped after the box office failure of Canon's Superman 4 Request for Peace in 1987. So after that happened, James Cameron gets the call and he was he'd made uh, Titanic at that point and he was in production on True Lies, the 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 um uh, what's the film? Just Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Um, which is really good and still hasn't got a DVD release. Um but so he gets hired to write this this treatment and there's a whole bunch of legalese and shit that I won't go into about who owned the rights and blah 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 and it ended up at Sony but a lot of backwards and forth thing but James Cameron's script right you can actually you can read it it's it's a scriptment so like half half script half treatment it's got a lot of dialogue in there there's actual scenes written out but then there's also just like breakdowns of action and things like that it's like a 47 page script. You can look find it. I found it. It's on the internet. I'll, we'll put a link in the description on YouTube and you can look for it yourself. It's fucking crazy. But um, the casting for that being, you know, the situation that we're in uh, at that particular period of time, uh, Leo DiCaprio was, was being looked at for Spider-Man. A, an actress named Nikki Cox, who was, I believe was on uh, either Saved by the Bell or one of those teen programs in the 90s. Um, she's like beautiful redhead. She was going to be um, uh, Jane. Kevin Spacey as Norman Osborn, Green Goblin. 
Um, uh, Michael Douglas as Jay Jonah Jameson. Again, Catherine Hepburn as May Parker. Michael Bean as Sandman. Michael Bean being the um, the Reese from the Terminator picture. Um, and uh, Lance Hendrickson, who was uh, in uh, you know a bunch of shit. He was in uh, the Aliens picture and whatnot. Uh, he was going to be Electro. And Arnold Schwarzenegger again as Otto Octavius. And so in this script, it's like it kind of starts and he's he's already Spider-Man. There's no origin story. It would have happened within the opening credits. And he's just like suspended on on a building upside down and it just starts with his voiceover and it's him being kind of a dick actually he's a bit of an asshole towards people and thinking that he's a bit better than everybody it also included it's laden with profanity not the script that i read but the the original sort of draft yeah. that i think they did and also it had addy a sexy sexy scene in which spider-man and mary jane fuck on the brooklyn bridge Where's that movie? That's wow. a different. That's a porn parody if I've ever heard it. You know. Yeah, that's that's the one that got that got the the creators of the boys inspired. <laughs> that's the. Script. Oh yeah, well, I haven't seen the new episode yet, so I'm assuming it's pretty damn. Sexy. Yeah. It's um, yeah. So that was you know the James Cameron of all of it all. That got you know turned around when when the rights went to Sony, and you know they also considered David Fincher. Um, his version would have been again told the origin story in the opening credits, and would have been based on uh, the night that Gwen Stacy died, which is a run from the comics. Um, and Christopher Columbus was also offered uh, the directing chair, but he opted to make the first Harry Potter picture instead. So good on um, him. Yeah, and and you know also Leo passed on it. There was a whole bunch of stuff that kind of happened that that's, didn't didn't let that happen. But then he comes along, came a director. Sam Raimi, coming out of, of independent horror pictures, had made Darkman with Liam Neeson, which was sort of a superhero movie. He also lobbied hard to be the director of Batman, um, the 1989, ver- uh, 1989 version that Tim Burton ended up directing. And, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to give this guy a shot. And he's even said, you know, lifelong Spider-Man fan, had a, had a mural painted on his bedroom wall of Spider-Man, and he just got it. Like, he just got the comic book tone. He had the sense of humor for it. He understood visually how to translate Spider-Man's movements from static imagery in, in the comics, these amazing poses that, you know, the human body can never get into um, just purely because our joints don't go that way and how to turn that into fluid movement. You know, the 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 first real big fight scene in that first picture um, where he's at the Unity Day Festival where Macy Gray's playing. Remember Macy Gray? I wonder what happened to her. Just out there being a Spider-Man villain, apparently. Um, you know, that's like the the blending of practical stunt work and CG was still paramount. I, I think there's so much less of that now. Um, you know, John Dykstra, the, the special effects supervisor, was very keen on keeping that kind of going from one to the other seamlessly between shots. So you've got to give it up for its its technical prowess, if nothing else. Although it has dated, I will admit. I wouldn't say it's, it's dated. I wouldn't say that. Like I, I've recently seen them, and they, they, like the, the CG holds up pretty well. Yeah, on the big screen, not not as much. Um, there's <laughs> some stuff that's kind of just a little bit flat looking or a little bit robotic looking. Um, like the suit. 
yeah, the suit in particular, because it's got that, the webbing, you know, that's um, not actually part of the suit. It's kind of raised. It looks like, you know. It's like that there's a suit and then there's the cage above the suit. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, actually. Yeah, it's and that's cool and, and, and whatnot. But, it, it, yeah, some of the stuff, it just looks a little bit flat. But and, and it happens as you go further along in the movies. Like, the third film is, I must say, I've got a, a better appreciation for that film now because of seeing it with that audience and because it is so ludicrous. You know, like I said, people dancing in the... In the, in the um, in the stalls and uh, uh, you know doing lines and just laughing at how fucking insane it is, especially when he's emo Spider Man and he's like, you know, the idea of that is he becomes almost a drug addict, right? That's not light. At one point, he slaps Mary Jane across the face, like he doesn't mean to. He's getting into a fight with those guys in the nightclub that Mary Jane works at, and she tries to stop him, and he hits her. That's pretty fucking dark shit. And to make it him like this, oh, I'm a baby man who likes eating cookies and drinking milk. No, you're a guy who goes out there and fucks and does spider cocaine and, you know, uses his powers for, for ill, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but some of the CG, like, getting back to that point, uh, is, is you struggle in that, you know, even the Venom stuff, especially now that we've seen a Venom picture, um, which isn't much better, to be honest, but you can kind of see what they were trying to go for. And Topher Grace, are you killing me? That guy's about as threatening as a fucking wet fart. It's just like, what do you, what? Yeah, I don't know about him. But I do I do appreciate it more now, that film. The one that got me the most though, <clears throat> uh, during the Spider-Thon, and I haven't seen it in years. I rewatched the OG one with Emily a few months ago um, because she hadn't seen it, because she doesn't like Tobey Maguire. And that's fine. I don't particularly like Tobey Maguire either. I don't think he's a very good actor. Um, I think he does well enough in this role. And, and he's also really good in No Way Home. I think he's, he's you know, obviously a better actor now than he was then. Um, but I also know he's kind of a piece of shit in, in real life. So I, I, I've seen Molly's game. Like, I know what's up. And... You know the pussy posse. His 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 group of the young dudes he used to hang out with, which was like him and um, uh, Kevin Dillon and uh, was it Kevin Dillon? One of the guys from Entourage, Leo, David Blaine. Like they had this kind of crew that was called you know pussy posse, and they would just go out and cause havoc and just be you know rich, rude young white guys. So I struggle so- with that, you know. So they were the real life inspiration for the Entourage. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, the real life inter- inspiration for Entourage is Mark Wahlberg and his Entourage of, of dudes. You know, there was a real turtle and everything. I don't mean a real turtle as in like the animal, the real turtle. If you know Entourage, yeah, it's a, yeah. Um, <laughs> be funny if it was if it was a okay. Wait a second, pitch. If it was a TV show that was about Mark Wahlberg having adventures with an actual turtle, fifty percent better show. Um, yeah, you know, Mark and the tortoise, I would watch, but, uh, yeah. So I kind of, I struggle to divorce myself from, you know, the, 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 it's the, the same way I can't watch Will Smith movies anymore. Like I can't separate the person from the art. Sometimes you can't do that because that they are, they are in conflict with everything that you hold like your own values around. Like not being a fucking cocaine adult piece of shit or slapping people on television, you know, like just, it just doesn't work for me. But looking at them for, like in this light and having watched them, particularly the second one, the second one like structurally is really, really great. Like it's got a great 
act structure and and you know the beats of action are just where you want them to be and there's a lot of kind of um the you know Otto Octavius is the most sympathetic villain because he's kind of made a monster by his own um you know trying to be better he's he's kind of makes himself a monster and then is is kind of warped by like the the fucking the tentacles in that movie yeah. have a life of their own like it's just the particularly the the hospital scene where they attack everybody um and they talk to him and it's kind of it's really cool and creepy and and very much more in the horror vein or at least in the creepy horror vein the, the way that um Sam Raimi does so well um so there's there is a lot going on um but the the acting in these pictures and the dialogue in particular especially the second one which was written by the guys who created Smallville is so like it's like they read a comic book and then synthesized like up a hundred percent and made it sound so hokey and so difficult to hear. Like some of it pangs really hard and, you know, especially Mary Jane and Peter interacting, they're like babies. They're like children talking to each other. You know, there's a lot of like, um, you know, a lot of that kind of guff going on. And it, it just, it bugged me like the, I want my relationships to ring true if nothing else. I can't hear you. Shit. Oh, no, I can now. You said shit. Addy, Addy done a swore. Everyone, Addy done a swore. People are going to cancel the podcast subscription. Do people subscribe to us? I don't know. Do you? No. You just have to listen. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah. That's uh, did I disappear for a second there? Yeah, no. It's, you went to say something and then it was just like, I missed it. Oh, because you completely disappeared from me. Did I? I'm here. It is yeah. dark here though. But um No yeah, like just zoom shut down, maybe. No, 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 we're all right, we're fine. Um I think anyway. Yeah, it should be cool. But yeah, I was talking about the the, the sort of the acting in general. William Defoe's killing it, like because he knows what he's doing. Um in fact, I don't know how he didn't put on weight during this picture for all the fucking scenery that he's eating. It's just outrageous how he is and alpha Malin is the same in the second one the third one's kind of whatever because the villains don't do anything but you know those first two the villains are why you're there it's kind of like the original batman movies yeah i mean like uh just the mirror scene uh you know lord of the rings fan like i will die for lord of the rings <laughs> Oh, you know, and the, mirror... the Astor's doing a, a, a run-through of a flight. Like, yeah. Amazing. I saw no, I saw that. I, I saw that and I was like, I'm so jealous now. Pretty great. There's ever a reason to come to Melbourne, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the mirror scene, it's so, it's so like Smeagol talking to Gollum in the second uh, Lord of the Rings film. It's absolutely. And it's. Yeah. It's absolutely that, right? And I was watching it. I was like, holy shit. He even took the fucking expressions that Gollum makes while talking to him. Like, and you, you watch the, you watch the two of those scenes and you're like, shit. But I, Swellum Defoe is so good in that film. Like, I, I don't care about Peter as much as I do about just, just him trying to be like, the, like I think it's right after he's 
I think it's right after he's he's gone from the Thanksgiving dinner when he figures out that Peter Parker is Spider Man. Yeah. And, and he goes to his house and then Harry comes to check on him and he hugs Harry and it's 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 Norman Osborn trying to be bet like trying to get better and trying to like get away from this goblin that's still inside of him. Mm. It's it's so good because you don't see it but you feel it. Yeah. It's. It's mind blowing that they have him in a Power Ranger suit, man. And covering his face, like of all the people, you don't yeah. want to cover the. I mean, Spider Man, you totally get it. I mean, he kind of speaks for everyone. You know, he's the he's the the, the hero that could be anybody. You know, it's like in that little the little middle section where it's like you know it might be a woman kind of thing. Where you know Zena's in there going, guy with eight legs sounds kind of hot. Like whatever you're into, lady. Like kink shame nobody. But um. Yeah, having having your main villain as expressive as Willem Dafoe is, you know, and there's that meme that's gone round about how when he discovers that he's being kicked out of Oscorp, that he goes through, you know, the, the, the snide stages of, of of dealing with the situation, whatever it is. But that scene where he's in front of the mirror um, and he's switching between the two, like at first it starts off as him like hearing the voice, then he turns around, looks in the mirror. And he's talking to himself and then they don't like they're cutting back and forth at, at first and then they don't do a cut. And he's yeah. like, he's in, the, he's in like the pose. He's got the weird shoulder action going on. The kind of like a, like a, 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 a some sort of big cat, you know, a, a, a predator. Um, not, not the predator from the movie predator, but like a, a lion, how the lion's kind of shoulders slink and he's like standing there and got weird posture and then he throws the glass and stands up straight and he's back to being you know the meek Norman Osborn again talking to this insane version of himself and then back again and it just cuts back and forth between two headshots one in the mirror one not fucking once that scene finished there was a massive round of applause because it really is a remarkable performance in what is such a goofy goofy movie and it gave him the opportunity to do some real villain shit whereas being in you know being in latex is one thing, but being literally covered from head to toe in in green, what I can only describe as mech suit, I guess. Um, it, 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 like, that's a lot of hard work. Alfred Molina just had to have, you know, CG arms attached to him. So, but I think the... the well, there weren't CG, were there? A lot At of the time, they were in Spider-Man 2. I mean, there's, you know, some of them were CG, but there's a lot of practical work going on there yeah. too. Um, particularly when they're like... In, in the frame, like in a close-up with Alfred Molina and they've sort of come in from either side like raptors, you know. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the 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 first film does does suffer a little bit in that you don't get the opportunity to for William Defoe to, to William Defoe because, he like you said, he does all his own stunts. He's a really physical dude. He's a really fit guy. Just... Yeah, I mean, his his performance stood out to me and to the crowd. And the other person, in, the other best actor in those movies um, is J.K. Simmons. Like, he knows why he's there. He totally gets it. It's And he is he has got a ham sandwich in his pocket that he doesn't want anyone to know about. That's how that's how crazy his performance is. It's just... And it, when, when he came on as well, it was everyone going, losing their shit. And his beats of comedy, particularly... Um, you know, the first two, but even the third one where he's on medication to keep his heart down. And she's like, Betty Brant's got the buzzing machine and he keeps like, you know, trying to be really calm and everything. Just, just picture perfect. That's why they couldn't recast him. That's why that character. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, he's not in Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. He ruined it for everybody. And then they're like, well, fuck it. Just bring him back. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter. Um, 
yeah, they're, they're the ones that really stand out. Absolutely. And there's like, it's a very goofy character and he's there for just comic relief and that's it. But there's also a layer to him where, where Goblin attacks the Daily Bugle where he doesn't know who Peter Parker is. Mm. And, and, he, and he gets him by the sword. He gets J. Jonah Jameson by the sword and he's like, who gives you the picture of the Spider-Man? J. Jonah Jameson is a fucking asshole. You could say it's Peter Parker, but he doesn't. Yeah. He says that he, he comes in the mail. Yeah. Like, like behind all behind all that f- uh, fake ass hair and mustache and the assholery, this is a good dude. Yeah, there absolutely is. He's he's got integrity. Uh, I do like the part where he's like, you know, he print this photo or whatever, and uh, you know, says it to Robbie Robertson, the wonderful Bill Nunn, you know, R.I.P. And uh, he's like, print that one, you know, Spider-Man, hero or menace, whatever. And Peter's like, you can't say that, Mr. Mr. Jameson, it's slander. And he goes, no, it's not. I resent that. Slander spoken in print. It's libel. Like fucking swish. Just, it's a good screenplay. The first one, David kept, I don't like the voiceover guff. Like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. Do you really want to know? My, my life is not for the faint of heart. Like, would you fucking shut up, you baby? Like, give me a break. You're like, oh, Mary Jane, bloody fucking blah. It's just, it's all a little much, to be perfectly honest. I actually kind of like that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I like that because when you watch Batman, you're like, oh, shit, Matthew stole it from (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, 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 that's true, I guess. But the other thing as well is, you know, talking about Toby whatever he's had really amazing performances in his time he's in a film with jake gyllenhaal called brothers where he plays brothers yeah which is a really powerful film and he's good in it that's the only non-spider-man film i've seen him in yeah well you're fine then <laughs> don't worry about it yeah. wonder, wonder boys is really good too where he's where he plays like a this this kind of this very effet wannabe writer who's friends with Michael Douglas's sort of main character there. Um, but yeah, he's, he is, he's, he's whatever he is. And also he's kind of a dick in that he, he wanted to be paid more for the sequel. So he feigned an injury. Like he faked that he got hurt while making Seabiscuit, which was a, a horse riding movie, just so that he could get more money. And they were like, fuck you, we're hiring Jake Gyllenhaal. And that was like, I'm serious. It was a matter of days. We could have had Jake Gyllenhaal take over as, as Spider-Man for Spider-Man 2. The multiverse of where that movie is, I don't know, but fuck, I, I would. But Jake Gyllenhaal is, is by leaps and bound and a better actor. Jake Gyllenhaal could could not face the camera the entire time and still be a better actor than Tobey Maguire. Literally have the back of his head on camera all the time, or his bare ass. Um, you'd sell some tickets, I'm telling you, but. Way better actor. But the, the person that I, I just want to talk about real quickly, I'm not going to talk about James Franco because he sucks. I, I don't like him as an actor and I don't like him as a human being, so I'm not going to bother. Um, but Kirsten Dunst, she was, you know, ha- had some had some fame going on for herself, you know, the 90s, Suicide Girls, that kind of thing. Um, suicide Girls? Not Suicide Girls. Um, the Virgin Suicides, the, the Sofia Coppola film. Amazing. Um, and, you know, of course, um, Interview with the Vampire, where she played a, a young woman. That. She's great, but the material lets her down. She is fucking kidnap bait in all of those films. She is, it is ridiculous. She gets kidnapped 
twice a movie and always to, to always triggering the second act. So much so that in the third film, it was supposed to be Gwen Stacy played by... Um, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard, thank you. But they realized, no, we can't do that because that movie went to production before the script was finished, obviously. Um, and they... Yeah. They said, "Well, it doesn't. There's no connection. They have no. There's no reason for Peter to fight so hard to go and save her because it's, he has no connection to Gwen. So it had to be Mary Jane again. And Sam Raimi had to apologize. He's like, "I'm sorry. You have to scream a lot again. You know, like that's all she does. It's really. Whereas if you look at you know the more more recent ones, and again, it, you know, s- storytelling is the same as anything. It evolves. You get better at it, and uh, people in general, and also society starts to understand things better and and." put people in places where they should be. They shouldn't be damsels. They should be ass kickers. Look at, look at Zendaya's performance, you know, totally whoop yeah. ass. Um, and, and uh, uh, Gwen, she never becomes a victim until that last film. And it's not, and she's the one who says like in, in, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, when Goblin turns up, the, the Harry Osborn Goblin, she's, he's like, what are you doing here? You can't be here right now, whatever. And she's like, hey, I fucking chose this and you just shut yeah. up. Like you don't get to decide who I am and what I do, whereas those original ones, she's kind of uncertain. She does a really good job with it, um, except for what the fuck in the third film. And I was laughing like a goddamn hyena from Lion King um, when when they when Harry gets Harry gets amnesia. It's true. <laughs> I was. <laughs> they caught me off guard so hard, man. It's good, man. That's how I describe oh, it. Oh god, yeah. That's was, my favorite joke. I was cack- thank you. I was cackling like Whoopi Goldberg. And in in like Harry gets amnesia, whatever, single rarest neurological condition on the planet, basically. But anyway, it's a it's a comic book movie. And he's like, Oh, you know, Mary Jane calls it because, you know, Spider Man's Spider Man and, and and I've lost my job because I suck at being on Broadway or whatever it is. And they go over and they, he's like, oh, you know, you want to get some food together. And they're making a fun omelette together. And then they start dancing to do the twist. I'm sorry. I like old music. Absolutely. Heaps of the stuff I listen to is, is you know, pre-1980, you know, it's 50s, 60s, 70s, even 40s stuff. I love sort of, you know, um, speakeasy kind of jazz music and you know, and all the hip hop I listen to is from the early 90s and stuff. I don't listen to a lot of current music. So even if they were, let's say 2004 when the movie came out, even if they are in their early 20s at that particular period of time, maybe they're listening to Pearl Jam or Nirvana or if you want something more fun, like maybe No Doubt or, you know, what something like that. They're not going to be listening to Do The Twist. Oh, yeah, let's get together and listen to music that came out, you know, fucking... However long, like let's listen to parents, listen to music our grandparents listen to. Basically, I just don't buy it. And they do stupid dances, and he spills the omelet. I'm like, oh, what a waste! Yeah. What capsicums are expensive these days? I'll tell you that much. Capsicums have always been expensive. Yeah, that's capsicums of rich people's food. That's for sure. That's capsicums, caviar, and and you know, Dom Perignon. That's what they have. And raisins, apparently. Raisins. Yeah, you'll hear a lot of hip-hop acts rapping about raisins because they're so expensive, you know. Yeah. I want to put... It's true. Yeah. I want to point out one thing. Are we, are, we, are we just accepting the fact that Sam Raimi made uh, a blonde player redhead and a redhead player blonde? Well, I don't know if you know about Sam, but... <laughs> 
he fucking weird. No, he's, I don't know. I guess you're <laughs> right. You're probably right. Um, yeah, I'd, I've, I've never really thought of that before. Sam Raimi, I'll, I'll talk about Sam for a second. He is like the progenitor of, of low budget filmmaking or one of the progenitors, you know, one of the, if there's a Mount Rushmore of making things on the cheap, he's on it. And he changed the Honra genre overnight. Um, and he also introduced the world to Bruce Campbell. So God bless him, who has great cameos in this film. Everyone hates the third one where he's a French dude, but I find it really endearing, but that's just because I really like. Um, Do you know why that is? Why what? Well, in the fourth one, or actually like the fifth one, it, it would have been revealed that Bruce Campbell was mysterious all along. Yeah, see, fucking yes. That would have been um, amazing. I don't know why they didn't do that for when he was in the... I think he's not a good <laughs> enough... Like, put him next to Jake Gyllenhaal. It's a, that's a hard road to hoe, honestly, but like he would have had the kind of the square jawed because the character of the the Mysterio originally was an actor. He was a special effects guy and who wanted to be famous and he just couldn't couldn't make it happen. So he turned to being a villain using all of his special effects abilities. But he was a chisel jawed kind of like, you know, kind of dude, you know, hands on hips, superhero or, 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 you know, old school serials hero. And he fucking he would have been amazing for that. He would have been amazing for that. And he's got just the right amount of tongue in cheek. He can do drama well enough that he'd be able to pull off some of the more intense moments. But fuck yeah, man! I we missed. And he's fucking awesome in in the goofy moments. Yeah, and especially especially after after you've seen Evil Dead Three. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And John Malkovich is the fucking vulture. I, mean, I love. I love. Um, Michael Keaton like he's great and he's really good in that movie but it's a certain speed like that is very much a Marvel speed one of the best villains totally understandable understandable motivation he's just a, you know he's a serious businessman doesn't want people to fuck with his livelihood totally get it John Malkovich being really John Malkovich and playing the vulture would have been interesting especially if it had a flitted between because in the in the comics and in the TV series the animated series he takes a potion to make himself younger so if they did some cool like flitting between him and maybe a young at the time could have been like Benedict Cumberbatch or something like a 19 year old Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, 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 you know, and he was like transforming between one and the other becoming old and young and old and young. That would have been really interesting too. I've got a pitch. I've got a pitch. Okay. You don't need to put your hand up. It's not class. <laughs> he just put his hand up. It's so funny. I just got out of class, yes, man. Yes, like 30 Annie, minutes. Yes, yes. Come up to the blackboard, please. No, that's not how that. you spell abstenimus. Stop drawing penises. Go back to your seat. That's what you would do. Don't pretend it isn't. He took me back to Superman. Where's the opening and just Jonathan's character just drawing penis all over his fucking notebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't that. Sorry. What were you going to say? Yeah. <clears throat> pitch? Yeah, I've got a pitch. Okay. Um, so Sony is Sony now, or like f- five years from now, makes a makes a vulture film with Michael Keaton. But it's but it's the whole serum thing where he takes it to, you know, de-age himself or something or make mm-hmm. himself young. Mm-hmm. And so Vulture is played by John Malkovich, but when he takes a serum, he's it's he's played by uh, Michael Keaton. But they're the same age. <laughs> In fact, okay. Michael Keaton's probably older. 
So if anything, oh, is it? okay. Okay. The only thing that happens in that situation is the dude's head gets smaller. Like, <laughs> so instead of having a five head, like Rihanna, guy salutes like this. You know, he's just got a normal shaped head. So I don't know. I don't know if that would work. I was thinking like a younger young. You could even go John Malkovich to fucking, um, you know, uh, Timothy Chalamet. That'd be pretty funny. But then again, I want him in everything. So, so I think the general consensus is between the two of us, as far as Spider Man goes, this is probably it's very of its time, and it probably misses the mark in under a more modern context. Yes. So looking at it. Yes. Yeah. It's very cartoony. It's very bright. There's not a lot of contrast. There's some very yeah, I, easy performance. That, that was my... Yes. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, you go. What were you going to say? Uh, that that was my biggest problem with the whole of the trilogy. It's very, very bright. Like, there's no, like, dynamic cinematography there. Like, it's just there. Like, you feel as if each and every... I, I know that they're doing stuff to make it look like that. But like there's no like like you watch the amazing Spider-Man, right? And there's shots where he's swinging through New York City and then there's shots inside the house and they have a different feel to him. Mm-hmm. When in the Raimi trilogy, when when Peter's inside the house talking to Uncle Ben and swinging through New York City, it has the same color palette that that just didn't work for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get it. There's no tonal shift based on where we are and what information is coming across. Like, you know, the warm and the cool uh, uh, being about character motivation. And also, <clears throat> you know, I don't know who was the DP on... on. I know Bill Pope was the DP on the first... On the second picture. Bill Pope's the, the cinematographer of The Matrix. And he's amazing. And I think when you say it's not dynamic in terms of its cinematography, what you mean is the, 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 the um, color and contrast and, and yes. uh, light and dark, that kind of thing. Tone and texture, as I've talked about before, like the, the actual shot choices and angle work and lens choices and stuff. If you think about something like that huge train fight um, in the middle of the second one, or even um, <clears throat> the, uh, the fight between Sandman, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, and Peter in the third one, um, where Peter's got the black suit on, there is a lot of really interesting stuff going on there, like in terms of where you are in space and you can follow everything as well. Everything kind of knits together. It's really well edited. Um, Sam Raimi has a tendency to hire two directors and have them both work on the cut at the same time and then kind of blend the best of the two. So you really do get a, a well executed picture, but the way that it looks is very very flat, very glossy. The way that the Marvel films look now, they all kind of have a uniformity to them that is just about, okay, let's put lights here, lights here, lights here and make sure everyone can see everything. Whereas, you know, I'm not 100% sure that Mark Webb is as a competent a director as the people who have directed the pictures either side of him. Um, I don't know. But whoever was working as his DP, I th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. Um, and whoever was working on his special effects crew, particularly for the first film, absolutely um, understood how to make things more dynamic and more drama to just the visual landscape of, of, of what goes on, even so much so that the suit looks completely different and, you know, it's got a real different feel to it, whereas Toby's one is, is it was made to be easily animated, if, if you understand my meaning. 
Yeah. Uh, the cinematographer for The Amazing Spider-Man was uh, John Schwartzman. Schwartzman, yeah. And who was <clears throat> his director of photography on Pearl Harbor, Armageddon? Well, we won't, won't um, we'll forgive him for that. Um, oh, yeah, Jurassic World. I love Armageddon. Fuck you for saying that. Now, Armageddon rules. Armageddon rules the school, man. It is <laughs> yes. so huge and dumb. I love it. So good. I watched that like we had a movie marathon here sometimes when me and Emily have a day off together and we watched that with it was that and Air Force One um, and something else that I forget Air Force One's another big stupid 90s action movie and she liked it so much she wants to like if we ever get a new cat now that now that Splodgy's passed on she wants to name one of them Air Force One our cat we're going to have three we're going to have Air Force One Karate that's a good name for a cat, right? Karate and Paul. Because I just think it's really, really funny to be like, if you, you're out there, out, the cats are out, you know, <laughs> in the yard or whatever, and you actually have to go out there and go, Air Force One, Karate, Paul. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine what the neighbors would think. <laughs> I mean, like, what the fuck's going on over there? Are they are they calling for someone? Are they saying that they're doing those things? Like, what's it would just it would make people really confused, and I love it. So the spies from another dimension they're yeah. calling in code words. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like um, uh, uh, Bucky in in um, fucking Civil War. You know, uh, Civil War. Yeah, where he's like, you know, trolley car homecoming you know whatever it is um Charlie yeah. car it is that's one of them one of the one of the, the i mean he obviously says russian but one of the words is is i think it's trolley car maybe i'm wrong correct me in the comments i love doing that if i get something fucked up correct me in the comments you can do it so um yeah it's again nostalgia totally love it uh, but as a with, with a more modern eye and and as much as I know about the aesthetic that I enjoy in these films um, and the just the way I want my storytelling to be, it's all a little bit cookie cutter and a little bit too safe, those films. Apart from the third one, which is fucking batshit crazy. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't care what people say about the third one. It's my, it's my favorite out of, out of, out of those three. There's just so much silly shit going on in that film and it just and that's where they kind of were like I mean I know they forced him to have Sam Raimi wanted um Vulture and and Sandman for that film and they forced him to use Venom because Venom was enormously popular at the time in the 90s like you couldn't go anywhere you get any fucking comic convention there's 14 dudes with Venom t-shirts or dressed up as Venom he was just a massive character and it wasn't very well executed there's also some enormous plot holes in that film. Like all of a sudden, you know, I know that the symbiote does transfer information from one person to another when it changes bodies. So it makes sense that Topher Grace's Eddie Brock would know who Spider-Man is, but to then go and find Sandman and know all about his life, like what the fuck? Um, and then uh, the, the, <laughs> the one that really, really fucking gets me and I nearly shouted it out because it was a lot of people shouting stuff out. Um, I feel like I'm talking super fast. I'm sorry. But anyway, the I just had such a good time. The At the beginning of, of, of Spider-Man 3, right? Uh, you've got the, the Thomas Hayden Church Sandman character. He's escaping the, 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 the people who are chasing him, the police, right? And they send a, 
a Doberman Pinscher or a, a German Shepherd after him. And he punches it. He punches the dog. And everyone in the crowd went, ooh, piece of shit. You're a dickhead. And um, all that stuff. And then later on, after he's like uh, uh, had his moment and, and he's, he's gotten his ass whooped by Harry, who's now lying dead, <laughs> being speared um, like his dad, uh, he's standing there and turning into sand. He's like, I'm sorry. And Toby's like, I forgive you. And he flitters off into the, into the night and everyone was like, oh, that's lovely. And I was so tempted, but I didn't do it because I, I don't shout out at the movies. I'm not that guy. I wanted to say, hang on a second. Do you all remember that he punched a dog earlier? Maybe he can get <laughs> fucked. Maybe he can get fucked is my thought. And the other part as well was um, there was a, like a lot of young people there actually, which are people in their probably early 20s, I guess. Some were there for, for ironic reasons and to be you know Instagram people or whatever. Some were legitimately there because they love Spider-Man, including the group behind me, like directly behind me, having such a fun time, shouting lines from all the different things and whatever. And there was one part where... They um at the end of Spider-Man three where Peter goes into the um the cabaret place where Mary Jane's singing um I'll never love again and then they kind of reach out and touch hands and that's the end of the picture. The girl behind me goes, Yeah, but he's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> I was like, You know what, sweetheart? Yes. That is you've just encapsulated the entirety of this trilogy much better than I could. So But um yeah, so that's that's Sam Raimi's trilogy. But should we? Do you want to do like a ranking, or should we do like our favorite lines or favorite moments? Like, what do you want to do? We're just kind of we should off the cuff here, you know. Yeah, I do have to say one thing though before we jump into ranking and running up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do disagree with you. Uh, with we'll get uh, back. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we have a podcast again. I'm not gonna get fucked. Anyone else get? Yeah, <laughs> such a good excuse. Even if you're not, even if you're not doing a podcast, someone just yells at you in the street. You know, you drive them, and they're like, "Hey, fucking, you're a piece of shit!" Like, whatever, get your own podcast. And they're like, "What? We're in cars. That doesn't make any sense." Yes, it does. Fuck you. Yeah. Like that classic, the classic idea: if someone comes up to you and is antagonistic and wants to start some shit with you, you start a separate fight. Like you start another fight with them that has nothing to do with their fight. Person gets in your face. (laughs) Hey, motherfucker, I thought I saw you looking at my girlfriend. I'll kick your ass. You go, oh, yeah, well, what about my jacket? And they're like, what? My jacket. You borrowed it two weeks ago. I didn't say you could keep it. I want my fucking jacket back. And then they think you're insane. And they go away. (laughs) That's the coward's defense. Sorry. What were you going to say that you don't agree with me about? It's a good technique. Use it. I had a dude come up to me standing outside of a, a, a pub here in Melbourne called the Esplanade Hotel. And the band I was playing in was doing a gig. And we were standing out the front and I still smoked at the time. So I was out the front having a cigarette. And this was fucking going on 20 years ago. And the, a hummer pulled up, one of those stretch hummers. And a, a massive bunch of drunk dudes got out on a bus or something like that. And... Um, the, a guy came up to me like I'm, you know, I look, I, people pick fights with me a lot. I think I might've mentioned this before. I don't know why I just, maybe I have a face that looks like it needs smacking. I'm not really sure, but I do get singled out by nutters, <laughs> you know, and people who, who want to 
start shit. So anyway, these two two dudes come up and stand right in front of me and three behind him. So there's five guys there. I'm on my own. All my friends are inside. And the guy was like, my friend here thinks he could kick your ass. And I was like, well, your friend's probably right. And he's like, well, you want to start something? I'm like, hey, man, I'm a pacifist, all right? I just, like, I, no, no, non-violent, non-violent. He goes, oh, yeah, you, you know you want to start something? I said, well, look, are you at least going to give me my jacket back? And then he was like, what? Said, your friend, if he wants to fight me, can I at least have my jacket back first? And they're all like looking around at each other. I'm like, look, he borrowed it two weeks ago. It's my favorite fucking jacket. I wanted it to wear tonight. Would you just give it to me? And then we can talk about fighting. And it took about two or three minutes of me just going insane about this jacket for them to just kind of like, oh, yeah, fuck you. And like one of them pushed me and the other one gave me the finger and then they just walked off. And I was like, whoo, well averted, crazy rigs. <laughs> Like, I mean, I could have just like, popped him with an uppercut, but there was five of them. I would have got trounced. One of them was about eight foot tall as well. Huge, big fucking... I think it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Basketball joke. Anyway, it's a good defense. That how do you, how, yeah. How do you fight an eight feet tall dude? So you just run, dude. A lot of, lot of dick punching. A lot of punches of the dick. <laughs> That's what it is. The cockney cock punch. Yeah, yeah. Just we're, we're back to it again. That's what I do. And all you do, you grab yeah. his balls and you pull it down with like a slinky. Is that a slinky? Like that. And you just, that's how you win. Ladies, yeah. everybody, that's how you win. The, the scientific fact that if you, if you grab the balls and squeeze them for 10 minutes straight, the person's going to, the man's going to die. Wow. I, I wouldn't want to, I mean, that's a long, yeah. you, you ever held on to anything for 15 minutes? That's a long time. 30 seconds is a long time to be holding on to somebody else's testicles. Like even your own, that's, that's, you've got to be trying to get somewhere. But if you're doing it to a stranger, that is a commitment in time that I don't have. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember. I, I, I saw it in a show where, where, where like the boss of the bad guys used to kill people like that. It was like, I'm stealing that, but also never using that. What the fuck show was this? Sounds like something from the boys, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's wild, man. But yeah, it is a, it is a really good, <laughs> good defense if you don't want to actually have to, you know, fight anybody. And, and the other thing you need to remember, folks, is Dylan Moran, the, the Irish comedian, says, it doesn't matter how big the fucker is, they all have a groin and a neck. So just putting it out there. That's your new if you can't protect yourselves from crazy comedy, do it with neck punches. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Spider-Man at some point. <laughs> you were going to say it's you talked to me about something, and then what was it? Oh, you don't fucking remember. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh no, yeah, yeah okay, okay, <clears throat> okay, yeah. I don't, I don't agree with you for. When you said that uh, Dr. Otto Davis is the most sympathetic villain. Okay. I think it's Sandman. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it just, you know, he has a very particular motivation um, in, 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 in his daughter. He's just, it's just not played very well because Thomas Hayden Church is a side of roast beef. That guy is. <laughs> That is guy he's amazing. You see his forearms in that movie? My God, he looked like the thing that Rocky punches to get trained in the Rocky film. It's just a huge, big, hulking, Frankenstein-looking motherfucker. Like, not a lot of sympathy garnered there. I don't know. Judging a book by its cover. Yeah. Judging a book by its sandy cover. Well, well, yeah. should we um, 
let's let's do, what do you want to do do you want to do a ranking of, of these three like top to bottom or do you want to do some best best scenes best lines kind of thing well let's do let's start with the ranking and then let's do like top top three scenes lines whatever you want yeah that's a good idea yeah cool all right well uh for me number one oh sorry okay number three we'll do number three and go up i see yeah the third oh, one okay yeah, Spider-Man Three is at the bottom because I just think it's it's a lot of stuff. No, I know what's yours. It's I a know lot of stuff in a small. Yeah, of course you do. It's a lot of shit in the same bag, and and none of it really kind of works. The scenes don't connect together. It's about getting from set piece to set piece as opposed to an organic shift in story based on conflict, and that's what I dig on. I dig on storytelling more than I do on. Even though it's, I do have a much greater appreciation now of it post spider-thon because of how ludicrous it is and because of how much fun it is if you just give it a chance i still think it's the, the least effective one what about you oh, okay um and i know what yours is and mine's just yours flipped is it <laughs> that's all right that's why we're a good podcast <clears throat> buddies because we don't just always agree with each other my my number my number three is spider-man too Okay. All right. Explain yourself, sir. I, I think I, I think we just did. Yeah, you kind of did. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, I understand. I don't know. I think it's it's probably the most overhyped of, of all of them. I think that's what that's what like bothers me the most nowadays with with that <clears throat> with that trilogy is because because people are like, oh, you know, this this is amazing and that that's amazing. I don't, I don't really find Spider-Man 2 that amazing. And Spider-Man 2 is just mainly amazing because of its villain. But that goes on for Spider-Man 1 as well. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and They do a lot of the heavy lifting, as villains tend to yeah. do in, in these kind of pictures. And Dr. Dr. Oh no! It's no longer just silly names. We're singing them now. We're singing the silly names. Oh my god! I was listening to you know I was listening to the Book of Mormon all yesterday, so that's obviously what that is. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Lunacy. Keep going. I just want to clarify. I have no idea what just happened. Neither do I. I don't. I, I have no idea. I just get possessed by these demons sometimes, and they come out in the form of song. <laughs> Ludicrous. So yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that's all right. You know, I understand. Um, well, in that case, I think we've both agreed that number two is number one. Yes. Yeah. Um, as I said before. <clears throat> Classic, great storytelling, has a really great nostalgia button and, and it's, you know, per perfect. It's like Batman Begins. It's perfect. Like it just, it does everything you need it to do in order to be able to tell that story. In order to be able to tell that character of effectively from from end to end, from inception to, to hero at the end of the film. Um, by the way, Batman Begins is one of the best screenplays ever written. Just putting it out there. Perfect four-act structure. Like study it. it. It will teach you more about hero stories and how to how to tell uh, how to have everyone have a satisfying arc, how to tell a good villain, all that stuff than than any other picture, uh, superhero or otherwise. Um, it's also again, as I said before, really really good because it's a standalone. It's just the story about Spider Man, Wolverine possible cameo besides, 
Um, it's it's great to just follow this and not have all the baggage that you currently have with with every superhero property that you watch. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, like, like you say, it doesn't really need a sequel or any other follow up. It's a, it's a very it's a very condensed and a very and it's a very like it's a friendly movie. It is, yeah. It's anyone can jump in. It's it's a very wholesome. Feeling. That's the word. It's a very wholesome. Super wholesome. Yeah, yeah. Even more so than the other two. I saw the trend of Spider-Man films ending at, at on a what is it in a graveyard? Sorry. Yeah. So, oh yeah. shit. So my in that case, my number one's number two, um, just because I think it's. It's visually much more interesting. You're dialed into these characters um, in, in a more interesting way. Um, it is really cheesy and cheap in a lot of places, but it has. And also like the conflict of an existential crisis, like he says in No Way Home, being the thing that stops him being able to web and have his powers. Like that's interesting to me. You know, a hero <coughs> in crisis is always really interesting. But So that means your number one is number, number three. three. And I dig that a lot. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I expect nothing less because you're such a, a, you, you just, you, you do, you, you skew different than everyone. You subvert the, the, the established idea of what is and what isn't, and I, I, I adore that about you. Thank you. Just, just a bit to explain. There's a bit of layer into why I feel like three is number one for me. Mm -hmm. It's because the first two actually have Spider-Man villains in them. The third one does is. The third one has three villains of Spider-Man in them. But it's only in the third one that you realize that Pete, Peter Parker and Spider-Man's biggest enemy is himself and his ego. Yep. You, you, don't, you don't see that in number one and number two that much. No. Even if it's there, it's, it's very little. But it's like when he goes full emo, it's a meme and all. But it's it, that's him. It's it's not a version of him. That's that's the thing that Peter hides from everyone that just that came up. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, I totally get it. Totally get it, and and perfectly justified reasons. And if you all don't agree with out there, out there, get your own damn podcast. <laughs> Um, so, uh, well, let's go through as well. Um, we'll go from, you know, from one to three and we'll do like favorite scene and favorite line. Yeah. Oh, well, you, you, sure. be, you be the firster. Okay. Uh, so favorite scene in the first one. Mm. It's the, it's the, it's the upside down pointy nipple kiss. Can we go back to that? Because it's a good time to it's a good time to continue the conversation that we had. Sure. So when I was watching the first one, I messaged that Mary Jane kissed Spider Man without his consent. And what did you say? Well, I mean, he lets her. He's Spider Man. He lets her pull the mask down. He's like, wait. And then he doesn't say anything else. Like I, I think, I think we can sort of, if he didn't want it, he'd have webbed her in the face with his web shooters. Not that's not something else. Okay, listen to me. He didn't drop he's, down. He's hanging. Him. He's hanging upside down, right? All, all the blood is rushing to his brains, so he can't think properly. And the only thing he has protecting him is the mask. So when she tries to pull the mask, he says, "Wait." Because because he doesn't want anyone to know that he's that he's Peter Parker inside the mask. Right. 
correct? He doesn't say wait so that she can wait and pull half of the mask and kiss him. He says wait because all the blood is rushing to his fucking head. You say you say, and then he 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 can't he can't do anything and he can't kissing him. You see? Okay, I you you say that and I understand the point. But he's Spider-Man. There must be some sort of thing where he can hang upside down and it's not an issue. But the other thing, biologically, I think it probably would have been evened out because if his interest in Mary Jane is anything to go by and the state that she is currently in, dripping wet in that alley, is anything to go by, I think the fact that all the blood in his head might have been evened out by a huge fucking spider boner that he would have had off camera. You notice he didn't see that part of his body in that shot because he had a fucking... St- he was harder than Chinese Al Dripper, mate. And 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 I'm telling you, and he had a little bit of a kiss and he thwipped himself away and he went home and beat it like it owed him money. Like that's... I'm telling you. That's how you counteract the yeah. spider the spider head full, full with blood thing, I reckon. <laughs> This is what we do here. This is every week. We get back to erections at some point. Why not? Uh, you know, funny during the making of that scene because he was legitimately upside down, Toby Maguire in costume, and the rain was coming down. He kept like not being able to breathe because the water was going into his mouth and nose while he was trying to do it. So as, as iconic as it is, it wasn't the easiest thing to film. Yeah, it was uh, a nightmare. Yeah, understandably. Um, okay, so sorry. Getting back to your your favorite line and favorite moment from that one, it's obviously not yeah. the spider erection. Yeah, that never actually happened. Yeah, hey, it didn't happen to you, all right? I've decided what it happened for me. Get your own podcast. Did you did you did you wear the Spider Man onesie when you went? No, because it would have been. We were talking last week. I, I can't remember, folks, if it was off air or if we actually mentioned it in the podcast. I have a Spider Man onesie that I wear in winter sometimes, but it's not an. It's not a going out one. Like in order to go to the bathroom in that, just to have a number one, I have to take it nearly all the way off because there's no, the zip doesn't go down far enough. It's like zipped up to the middle of my chest and then you've got to like step out of it like it's a onesie. Um, <laughs> so it would have been impractical to say the least for 20 hours. I was just wearing, I was just wearing jeans and, and, and a Spider-Man t-shirt and then halfway through I changed into my pajama pants at like 3 a.m. Nice. Good times. Yeah. Um, so, favorite scene in the first one yeah. is God. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm not going with. I'm not. I'm not going with the uh, with great power comes great responsibility. It's too easy. Yeah. Also too boring. Kind yeah. Of. Uh, I would say the first one is. My favorite scene is when when he beats a flash, <laughs> like in the hallway. When he beats a when he beats oh, a he flash, Thompson. Flash. Oh, okay, right. I was like, when he beats the flash, I'm like, you're watching the wrong film and universe. Yeah, it, I mean, the flip's a bit much, but Joe Manganiello is bringing it too. Like, he's really <clears> great. Now, even though he was fucking 48 years old when he made that film or whatever, but supposed to be. No, he wasn't. He's he was, 48 now. He's 52 if he was a day. All right, let me tell you. Tobey Maguire was 26 playing a high school senior, which is interesting, but he's got a little baby face. Okay, cool. Uh, what's your, what's your favorite line then? <clears throat> oh, 
I want to do the voice, I'm not gonna do the voice, but uh, it's, we'll meet again, Spider-Man. So fucking great. And he sells the shit out of that too. Like it's oh, really man. good. He's so fucking awesome. Well, that's okay. Well, my favorite is a, is a Defoe moment as well. Not the line, but my favorite moment is him, the du- the duel in the mirror thing, um, like we talked about. Just fucking Defoe masterclass. That guy is he, he's like we were talking the other day. He's like Kevin Bacon. He he's never bad. He's always good. No one ever goes, oh, William William Defoe sucks in that movie. No, he fucking doesn't. Um, and my favorite line is it's kind of it's great power comes great responsibility adjacent because remember when. Uncle Ben's dropping Ben out the front of the library and he says, with great power comes great responsibility. He goes, I know I'm not your father. And he's like, then stop pretending to be. And and just like super harsh. And then later on, you know, Uncle Ben dies. They don't get to reconcile that moment. And Peter graduates and he goes up to his bedroom and Aunt May comes in and he's crying. And she says, she sits down and he's like, I missed him a lot today. You know, she's like, I did too. And he's like, I can't stop thinking about the last time we spoke. He tried to tell me something important and I threw it in his face. Like that's such a clear motivational turn for that second act to start. Um, and Toby really does sell that moment. That's it's it's probably the best acting he does in, in in all three of the pictures. You know what's not the best acting he does in the first one? Any of the rest of it? No, what? <laughs> when he starts crying, he started crying and I started laughing. Yeah, there was a few chuckles going on at the Aster too because he blubbers. Like, whereas, you know, Andrew Garfield, you know, he's like screaming, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben, someone help, you know, yelling into the night. <clears throat> Just, you know, the primal scream of it all, you know, much, much more uh, powerful, yeah. Yeah. So what about... So number two, number two you go first. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, probably um, <laughs> my favourite line is... Um, <laughs> it's so stupid earlier in the film when he meets up with Otto Octavius he's like you want to you want to win a woman over feed her poetry right and then he's like trying to half kind of win Mary Jane back so he's reading this poetry and then they meet at that gala where you know Mary Jane is going to now marry J. Jonah Jameson's son who would end up becoming the werewolf uh, in, the, in the werewolf by night but that's beside the point um, they're out this thing and she's like I can't keep doing this and he's like I've been reading poetry and Mary Jane goes, whatever that means. Like that's just, <laughs> just, just beautiful moment. And the, 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 the highlight of that, um, uh, that picture is, is the train fight. Like it's so well choreographed, so well executed between practical and, and, and CG on set camera work. And, 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 um, you know, the, the elevated trains that they actually shot in Chicago. Cause uh, as far as I understand, New York doesn't have ele- an elevated transit system like that. It's all underground. Um, and just him at the end, you know, saving the day and kind of getting knocked out from the, the effort of it. And the guy's like, geez, look at him. He's just a kid. Um, Fuck. yeah, really, really great, great sort of five to seven minutes of that picture. That's my favorite line. What is He's just a kid. Yeah. yeah. That's my favorite really. Even though it's Tobey Maguire and the guy's got fucking five o'clock shadow at two, th- you know, fucking half past 10 a.m. Um, but yeah, it, it is pretty powerful. Yeah. What's, well, if that's your favorite line, what's your favorite moment then? I've got two favorite lines, but uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard not to put uh, the chain the sequence. It's so great. Right. It's, it's really hard not to put, so I'm not going to do it. That's a good call. 
it's it's yeah it's when uh, he puts on the my favorite scene would either be when he first like connects uh with the with the arms it's it's either that or like before that when he's when he's sitting with his wife and peter and and like that conversation is like i love this kid like yeah that because they're doing you know science talk back and forth or whatever yeah they do have a really sweet relationship which gets really great payoff in no way home for sure all right so number three you've got to go first because this is your favorite you complete fucking lunatic <laughs> you know what's weird i actually don't remember any lines from the third one well there you go too busy watching all those awesome spectacular visuals yeah Fuck. I would I would say it's like oh god. This is a very bad joke, but I'm gonna make it and it's my favorite line. It's when it's when it's the all hope is lost moment where Venom and Sandman Sandman are kicking the shit out of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And like his mask is all ripped off and then Harry comes and Peter says, Harry, you came! <laughs> Yes, and then I arrived. <laughs> oh, sorry, you meant uh, yeah. No, I did. I came. I jerked yeah. off before I came. I don't want to go into a fight with a huge boner. You know that that can be troublesome in an alley. So he's got to knock out that easy one before you fight a Sandman. <laughs> you know how you do it. Um, talk about penises an awful lot. We're gonna to need to change the name of the podcast. Um, no, cool. Well, my my favorite scene in the third picture um is probably um oh i don't know okay i'll do i'll do favorite scene because of its action is the 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 first fight with sandman after he gets the venom suit and he just fucking trances him because it's it's so much more visceral and violent than it has been before because he's got this (coughs) which is pretty cool and then um uh my favorite um like line i guess would be the um uh, where he's in the, the 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 flat where he's going to his flat and there's Mr. Dikovich and his beautiful daughter, the beautiful skinny daughter that he's got, and she's like adores Pete and she's like making him cake and stuff and and um he's like oh I'm so sorry that I I yelled at you the other day and he goes it's okay on orange and he goes to give him a piece of orange and he's like no thanks and, you know I, it was nothing to get mad about and he goes it's okay. If you feel bad about it, you could buy me pizza sometime. Today's good. Like, <laughs> I fucking love that guy so much. There's another one too. I can't remember if it's in that film or if it's in the, for the other one where he's like, uh, kicks open the door and there's Mr. Dikovich sitting with his daughter and the, th- the other three guys behind him, you know, the fucking Russian dudes or whatever they are. And he's like, rent. And the guy, and he goes, hi. And he goes, hi, what's hi? Can I spend it? <laughs> It's just, it's so silly and calm. Yeah, that's in the second one. Yeah. Oh, and Jay Jane and Jameson's great in that as well. He goes, got your wife on the line. She wants to let you know that she lost the checkbook. Thanks for the good news. Like, he's like do you want the yeah, shell or the chintz for the, wedding, for the wedding reception? Whichever one's cheaper. Like, he's just, yeah. Everything that comes out of J.K. Simmons' mouth is fucking gold. Yeah, it's just gold. Yeah. The, the line in the, in the third one where he went, where he's like he's trying to fire Peter Parker because he's not because he's not taking like good pictures of Spider Man. Mm. 
Because, you know, Peter Parker is trying to get away from Spider-Man because that makes sense somehow. Sure. But, <laughs> and he's like, uh, you're fired and get lost or something. And then Betty Brand calls in and says that the, the photographer for your, fa- uh, for your uh, son's function is cancelled. And he's like, hey, come back. I need you. Yeah, you're rehired. <laughs> come back here at half the rate or whatever. So good. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, well, I have my favorite scene left. <laughs> do you? I, did, I thought you did yours. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. No, that was my favorite line. Oh, okay. How do you I came? think we get to that. Yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> I can jump it see, now, now that I pointed out, now I forgot. I hit it. Always the way. <laughs> it's the way of the Jedi. Fucking don't even get me started on Kenobi. That, was, that shit was tight. We'll talk about it at some stage. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it after the call. Um, God damn it. Yeah, my favorite scene could probably... Um, like, it's... It's it's like... The, it's Toby taking out the Venom suit. That's my favorite scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and it's very traditional as well. That's how it happens in the in the comics. He goes into a church, the bell tolls, it comes off him, and Eddie happens to be in the church below it. But he's actually in in the comic books. He's about to commit suicide, um, and then he gets the venom suit, and you know whatever. Why didn't what the fuck? Why didn't they go with that? Because they don't want to talk about it's. it's you know, it's two thousand and six or seven, mate. We don't talk about mental illness the same way. You don't want to have the word suicide come up in your. We in- we still don't talk about it. Nothing's fucking changed. That, well, yeah, but I think there's more. Like for instance, you know, there's. Uh, uh, Sometimes there's warnings like the the TV show Severance on Apple TV. You know, it says at the start this this episode contains themes around suicide and and stuff. And even most recently, the the theater that me and Emily work for, um, the Little Al Athenaeum, um, that that had a show where it actually begins with a woman having survived her attempted suicide, and we needed to put you know things up to say say as much. Um, so I think. Yeah, they probably steered away from that. What is weirder though is that if I can Topher Grace goes in there with his fucking frosted tips and asks God to murder Toby Maguire. To murder, to murder yeah. Like, have you ever read a book? What the fuck? Like, where where is that jump from like talking about suicide to killing the other person? Yeah, exactly. I want God to kill a person as opposed to I've decided to end my life because I feel like I'm worthless, which would have made more sense dramatically, but whatever. There you go. Yeah. That's it, ladies um, and gents. Like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, that's that's the Spider-Man's, the three Spider-Man's with Tobey Maguire. Thank you, Sam Raimi, for um for all that nonsense. And um, next week, we're going to cover mine and Addy's favourite, uh, the Spider-Man pictures, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Uh, and we'll talk about why they're our favourite at that time and why they are my favourite now more than they've ever been because I saw them and again with uh, at the cinema with fresh eyes um and i feel like it's really the the high watermark um and i love andrew garfield i do too why are you doing the outro we've got questions no i know i'm just doing the outro from <laughs> this part of the of the episode and then i was gonna oh, say, okay but we do have questions was what i was gonna say that's yeah, the outro to that, that part of that portion of the show now we've got some <laughs> questions probably spider-man related questions do we have are they spider-man related yeah, I mean, that's okay, the good. theme, right? Spider-Man. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't you throw to the theme song and we'll do it.
Okay, so how many questions do we have today? <clears throat> we have got four questions. Ooh, I love question time. We've got the fantastic four questions here. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I must say, friends, I really do. I love doing this podcast. It's one of my favorite things. I really missed that we didn't get a chance to do it last week. And one of the reasons I love it so much is because people interact and they ask us questions. I love answering questions. It's like conversations, my shit. I, I really dig it. it. You know, interesting. I went and saw, um, went back to the Asta last Monday. Uh, actually, it was Sunday afternoon, sorry, and saw a uh, 40th anniversary 4K remaster of Blade Runner, the final cut. Um, and uh, it's it beautiful. And I went with uh, my good friend, Tim from my film club. Um, and he he's actually my, my business partner, Dan's brother. And we went and did that. And then afterwards we went and had dinner and just fucking talked for ages about Blade Runner and science fiction. And like, that's, that's what I dig. I love talking about fun shit and, and cool shit. And that's, that's why I love when people, Send in their questions and, and be part of the part of the the whole show. So please continue to do it. Let's make it happen. Yes, please. This is my favorite part of the show as well. Yeah. Like talking to you is, is a cheat, but then just have, having to interact with the audience is totally amazing. Super fun. Okay. So what's question number one? <clears throat> um, question number one. What character would you have as the host of the Venom in MCU, Eddie or someone else? Oh, interesting. Okay. Kind of. I'm still figuring out because if you do have an if you do have an Eddie Brock, either we'll meet him in when Peter is in college, with him in college, or or it's just Tom Hardy that already exists, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think you're probably Tom Hardy out of it. You know, no way home Stinger was the bit of goop being left in that dimension honestly just off the top of my head you know you could do a new character or or have it be um you know someone who's already established not a hero but someone's established or whatever i'd honestly give it to mary jane uh, no it's, it's not oh mary jane, wow it's michelle jones mj michelle I, I'd jones, it, yeah i'd give it to zendaya and have that be the thing that triggers her to be able because venom is is yeah, because Venom knows everything. Is yeah, online. Yeah, like carries the symbiote carries information, and Eddie Brock knows everything. You could, that's what he's being explained in in that last little thing. He's like, I go and see that Spider Man person, and I think she gets the Venom costume, becomes Venom, interacts with Spider Man in some way, is able to then you know usurp the information that Spider Man has to realize that he cast the spell so that she would forget Peter Parker. And then because the Venom suit has corrupted her and, and made her, you know, villainous and hateful and angry and rageful, uh, she gets mad at him for fucking with her mind and is like, I don't care if you are Spider-Man or the person I used to love, you, 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 you raped me of my memories and, you know, I'm going to absolutely destroy, destroy you. you. I'm going to destroy everything in your life. I'm just going to tear you down. So that that would be more interesting than either Peter getting it or you know instituting another Eddie Brock like you know yeah and it would be cool to see a little bit more a little a different dynamic to what Venom could be. Agreed. My my answer like that's fucking awesome. Like they should really do that. Yeah, it makes it makes so much sense. Kevin Fagan. Kevin Faggy. Kevin. Well, not Kevin Feige. Because it's Sony, so not Kevin Feige, Avi Arad. Or um, 
Amy Pascal. Yeah, Amy Pascal. Sorry, not having your name. Well, Amy, out. you're named after a company that makes lollies in Australia. But um, yes, you should absolutely take my idea and give me money. <laughs> give me some of yeah. that fat, fat Spider-Man stacks. Can we have that as the episode? Legacy of Spider-Man fat, 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 fat whatever Spider-Man that stacks. Was. It's not a bad idea, yeah. honestly. <laughs> now we'll do that for when we do the Tom Holland one because of No Way Home making a bazillion dollars or whatever. Anyway, so what yeah. what would your, your uh, who'd you, who's your venom? Mine would honestly be. I mean, I know they're not in like the same college or whatever. And Peter's doing or is on his way to do GED now. At the end of No Way Home, mm-hmm. but I would love to see Flash Thompson be the venom. So yeah, you can we'll fight channel all the hate that he has for spider-man or yeah. for peter that's be interesting too you know a bit of like representation have a person of color in that role as well that's that's you know a, a more modern way to tell that story and an interesting thing as well like he would he would all of a sudden be experiencing power he's never understood it would be a great duality of where you know peter parker receives this power as a small meek teenager superhuman strength Flash, who is clearly an egomaniac because he's hiding, you know, in a trauma and, and, and the fact that he has got a bit of a Napoleon complex, all of a sudden he gets all this power and he, and he just, he's like, well, I run this shit now. Um, so yeah, that's, see, fuck it, we have good ideas, sir. Yeah. And like, like, don't, don't make it as like a one-off villain, like have him be the Harry of, Harry Osborn of, of, uh, Peter, of MCU Peter Parker, like have him like, like. So he get so he gets the venom thing, or like he gets he gets attached to venom, and then he knows that Peter Parker is Spider Man, so he seeks him out and he says, "I've got this and I'm and I'm changing, but I need your help." And they become friends, and Peter's like tries to like teach him to to you know uh, use uses ability for good, and then he turns in like the second film. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well. I'll tell, you another, I'll tell you another idea I had. I, I, I wrote a treatment for a movie some years ago now called Peter Parker, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., wherein instead of him getting bitten by the spider, it was um, Harry. And Harry was kind of the nerdy, geeky dude. And Peter was actually a jock. Like, he was a big dude and he just trains really hard and, you know, ends up getting recruited by Nick Fury because he's a, a, a really fit you know, young guy who's super smart as well. And he goes and works for shield. And then Harry kind of gets corrupted by the power of having, by being Spider-Man so much so that he accidentally kills Mary Jane and then loses his mind. And it's about Peter Parker, just as a normal human being, but as an agent of shield going after the, the now evil Spider-Man. Um, so you could introduce a Harry and have that because there's no Harry in that universe, right? There's, there are no Osborns. There's no Osborns at all in the MCU at, the, at this current point in time. So you can use as, as being, you know, and he could be your aggregate. Just an idea. And nobody steal yeah. that idea. Do you know story. what? Though? That, that would be fucking awesome if, if that's like an, a what if episode. It would be, right? I, that's how I pitched it. It was like a what if thing. And um, I sent it to Marvel and didn't get any, didn't get any response. <laughs> Because I didn't write okay, it in a comic script, I wrote it as a screenplay. Because I don't know how, this at the, that particular period of time, I didn't have the software to do gra- graphic novel writing. I do now that I have Final Draft because it's got a graphic novel template. But at the time, I just did it as a word thing. So, anyway, 
beside the point, what's question number two or three? Yeah, question question number two. Yep. Uh, question number two is uh, are there actors that would that would play the role of Spider-Man more successfully or Spider-Man more sp- Spider-Man successfully? Sorry. Um, I, so I, don't, I don't know if it's a case. Recast Toby Maguire. That that's the question. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. if if you, if 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 you would recast Toby Maguire, who would it be? At that particular. Can't time. be. Can't. Yeah, can't be. Can't be Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Well, okay. Well, if you're talking about at that particular time, we can't say well they fucking did it with Andrew Garfield or whatever, and that Miles Morales yeah. didn't exist then yet either, so we can't do that. Um, Heath Ledger was asked to do it at one point, and he said no because he. He's like, I have no previous with this. I would rather leave it to someone whose, you know, dream it was to to, to be Spider Man. Um, but again, he, he's probably too tall. But that doesn't mean anything. He's just a really good actor. But at that period of time, um, where's Bentley? Uh, where's Bentley was the um, the young man in American Beauty, um, who was sort of like the. The tragic young kid whose dad was a, a, a closeted homosexual and he was a pot dealer who was dealing weed to um, Kevin Spacey and, and he was like filming things all the time and whatnot. And he, he, he was really good. He's currently in the film Yellowstone, uh, the TV show Yellowstone, I think. Yeah, he would have been good. He's kind of a little bit more intensity to him than, than Toby. So that would be my pick. Interesting. I will- Big Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But that'd have to be early 80s. That'd have to be, you couldn't do that in, in 2000. In 2000, Michael J. Fox would have been in his 30s. And he was also, at that point in time, he was suffering from Parkinson's because that was that was going on. He left the TV show Spin City in probably 1996, 97 or something because the Parkinson's was starting to take over um, and, and affect his performances. So... Yeah, you'd be talking like just before Back to the Future. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Just like I said, it needed to be needs to be earlier. That's all. Yeah, I mean, like Tobey Maguire was four years from being thirty in two thousand two, so I don't think it makes that that big of a difference. I think it would for who Michael J. Fox is at that time. Like I said, he was he was he would have been probably thirty five ish. Um, I'd say maybe, maybe wrong, but yeah, he, he, like his health would have affected that a lot, but he would yeah. be great. Like you're not wrong. Like he's a great Peter Parker for sure. And just, just because I love that, love those films, have uncle Ben be, I'm going to say, have uncle, have uncle Ben be Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Why not? Why the fuck not? Please do that. And and Susan Sarandon as as May, Aunt May. Why not? Fuck it all. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. What's what's number three? Uh, what are your both? What are your both favorite Spider-Man animated shows? Like the t- TV, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, mine's the OG yeah. Spider-Man from the nineties, which was like three seasons, hundred and something episodes, real tight storytelling connected to, you know, each other. And it was very, very kaipuki. I loved it. Great score, great musical, great voice performances, lots of cameos. Like, you know, every episode was like Daredevil, X-Men, Punisher. Yeah, super cool, super cool. And and that show was 
also like gave hope for the X-Men show, which was like if Spider-Man works, then so does X-Men. Yeah, yeah they did cross over at one point too. <clears throat> Very cool. Because they all thought. So Spider-Man yeah. Well, mine's not that. Even though, like, I, I love that show. I watched that show quite a lot. Mine's uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man. That's that was after the Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which a lot of people like. My favorite ones. Uh, it's the the uh, the uh, like uh, Peter Parker in the Ultimate Spider-Man looks like Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Yeah. It's it was, it's a weird. It was around that time too, and you know, teaming up with people every episode with the the crew that was being put together, and um, yeah, I I dig that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> like we had interested. we had White Tiger and Luke Cage and Nova and uh, your White Tiger, Luke Cage, Nova and Spider Man yeah. under under like under Nick Fury as as the secret team. Yeah, fucking awesome. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to check that and, out. Yeah. And then she introduced me to Miles Morales, who I fucking love. Yeah. So. Such a great character. We'll get into him when we talk about Spider-Verse. But what's the last question? Hope last you- question is, oh, uh, Spider-Man 4, 5, and 6 would have been really exhausting sequels. What do you think? If they're from the Toby films? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You... you- Too much of a good thing always leaves one wanting less, I find. And if you have a look at the like track where those movies were going, unless they pulled it back and made it a bit more um, like simple in that that fourth one, and maybe just had two villains, just Spider Man, real easy, you know, no sort of big overarching existential thing, just him doing Spider-Man shit, kind of what you would imagine that the Tom Holland pictures will be now that he's on his own. You can just do Spider-Man adventures, you know, this week on Spider-Man kind of thing. Very much. But by the time they got to the sixth one, if they weren't rehashing villains, they'd be getting to fucking Hydro-Man and all these (laughs) B-listers who you didn't even, no one gives a shit about, fucking Scorpion and stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I do think that it would have tired. Six movies is a lot as well. And if you've got to, think Tobey Maguire would have been 32, 33 when, when Spider-Man 3 came out. You make another three movies and it takes you, let's say conservatively, seven more years. He would have been close to 40 by the time he finished, which isn't a bad idea if you go a certain way, the way that they did in Spider-Verse and had like an older Spider-Man, you know, be be the character who you're kind of following. Yeah, but they didn't have Miles Morales by then anyway. Like yeah. Miles Morales was 2011. Yeah, it was late two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think yeah, there is an there is an interesting story there about that. But that's not what it would have been. They would have tried to keep him as young as possible for as long as possible. So, Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Whoever whoever asked that question, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I do too. Wonderful. Unle- unless unless they made Mary Jane Spider Woman somehow. Yeah, that would be fun. Again, or they get together and have a kid. You know, you jump ten years in the future and you've got Spider Kid. Something with, like that, with, just something different. With, with four arms and four legs. Not an actual spider kid, but that's true. I mean, that's something you've got to consider is if you have kids, are you going to pass stuff on? I know that's been uh, questions that superheroes have asked in the past. Am I going to, is is my biological makeup now different? Um, yeah, I think that's... And it's a very serious topic when it comes to X-Men because X-Men and like 
people with the X gene can't mate with humans because because of that very reason. Because they don't know what will come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, they could could fucking who knows. Yeah. Could have some weird you know, like if you're a spider person, you could have eight legs or whatever. I mean, that actually sounds kind of handy in a lot of places. You could certainly you'd be a good barista. Seriously. Only but, if you know how to control them. Yeah, but again, I mean, it'd have to be, you'd have to have like four arms and four legs or six arms. Yes. Yeah, so legs. you don't want all feet. You know, that's not helping anyone unless you, unless you yeah. happen to be dating Quentin Tarantino, but otherwise Jesus. you want arms. No, it's true. It's fine. Enjoy it. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino yeah. has a foot fetish. God bless him. You know, like it's whatever. Enjoy feet, mate. Whatever. Consensual, consensual, consensual. But yeah, I used to work as a barista for a long time and I always thought to myself, fuck, it'd be great if I was an octopus. I mean, not an actual octopus because then I wouldn't know what a barista is because I'm an octopus. I'm just this tiny little echinoderm. No, I would be have octopus arms, like multiple arms so that I could make like six coffees at once and, and serve up and do the thing and blah, blah, blah. So maybe that's the sixth Spider-Man film is just Spider-Man morphed into a huge monster creature with lots of arms making coffee for people. But if you think about it though, if you have just two legs and six arms... You can't hold your own weight, can you? This is you're just saying that they would like you'd fold in half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very true. I said to, just to get to the washroom, you take fucking ages because you can't get up. And once you get up, you'd be like, "How do I go? Do I do a good? Do I go like straight or do a good diagonal and do a fucking cartwheel or some shit?" Yeah, well, I mean, cart was probably made easier by having more points of articulation and more pressure points on the ground. But yeah, you are talking about if if David Cronenberg directed Spider Man, um, which hey, not a bad idea. So, but uh, thank you very much, everyone, for the questions. We do enjoy them. They are they do produce some ludicrous answers, which I love. And um, <clears throat> come back next week. Come on back. Come on back next week when we're going to be talking about the amazing Spider Man pictures with Tobey Maguire, directed by Mark Webb. Uh, Mark Webb. No, it's Andrew Garfield, man. I say, say Tobey Maguire again? Fuck my own self. We're going to be talking about Andrew Garfield, AG, the main man himself, the guy who's had a real garfield uh, you know, in the last few years. Remarkable films, really interesting shit. We're going to get into it. But uh, until then, Addy, you're beautiful. I love you, and uh, it was so good to be here. I love you too, man. Uh, I love everyone who joined in for this, all the Spider fans. Thank you so much for listening and uh, watching, if you're on YouTube. If you're on YouTube watching. And uh, as I said, uh, speaking of YouTube, make sure you uh, follow, like, and subscribe. Drop us a comment. You know, Join the conversation. If you're listening on Spotify or Amazon Music, please rate and review the show. It really does help the profile bring more people into these crazy spider six-legged barista times that we all love so much yes and uh stay home to what do whatever you want uh, <laughs> <laughs> stay home oh no hang on we don't do that anymore do whatever you want that's a good yeah, yeah. that's a good post-covid thing to say hey folks do whatever you want <laughs> yeah do whatever you want just stay safe uh it's a crazy world out there so just just stay amazing try to be kind to people and happy pride month once again Stay amazing. I forgot to say that. <laughs> yeah, particularly on a Spider-Man episode, you've got to be amazing, all right? Come back for some more uh, amazing next week. Uh,